Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, back from vacation. This is not another, I don't know, air quote, best of. It's it's not a repeat. So I don't know what we would call those best ofs. I think John called them best ofs. But really, that was just me being lazy and giving you some recent episodes that way. They weren't too far from, like, current events. Now, of course, the entire week last week ended up being... <laughs> <laughs> a disaster uh, for the news world, and that is par for the course for any time I do go on vacation. I don't take many of them, but every time I do, tons of stuff happens. So let's just start off with Pete Buttigieg, shall we? Let's just keep it somewhat local. There's a lot to get to today. There's a lot to get to this week. I'm not going to be able to get to all of it. Uh, some of the stuff that ended up happening, you're just going to have to wait for updates to get to. You know, there's no sense in me going all the way back to Monday and rehashing something that everybody has been talking about for the entire week, although I know that many of you would love me to do that. Uh, I would love to do that, but maybe some of that stuff will make its way into the early show this week. I don't exactly know, but this is um, this has been one whale of a a past, what, nine days, I think? Because some of the stuff that I actually was going to be discussing on Friday, Thursday and Friday, never even got to it. So I posted some of that stuff. But yeah, it's it's an extremely busy week. So we will get to a lot, but not everything. So I wanted to I wanted to address the people to judge stuff specifically because obviously his connection here locally, but also this is one of the most ridiculous things. That I think I've ever heard, but beyond that, this proves so many points that I have made over the years in general about the radical political left. And I want to just once again kind of reiterate how utterly stupid so many of you Republicans are who ran around for eight years and called him a moderate. You were all dumb then. You're extra dumb now. He never was a moderate. He told you he wasn't a moderate. He just didn't come off like a radical because he's low energy. That's really it. And a lot of people mistake low energy for being nice. And yeah, he's he's a he's a niceish guy to your face, but he's just a low energy guy. He doesn't get amped up for anything that we've ever seen, at least publicly. And he just is kind of monotone and mundane, and that's it. But for years, I kept hearing Republicans locally talk about how Pete Buttigieg was a moderate, a moderate, a moderate, a moderate. He only disproved that every time he tweeted or opened his mouth. But so many of you didn't want to see it. And then we watched a lot of people who did not like Pete Buttigieg at all as mayor, thought he was a terrible mayor, a horrible mayor. And all of a sudden they were supporting Pete Buttigieg for president. Why? Because he's a local boy. That's. That's. Again, silly. So Pete Buttigieg, on Sunday, he responded to a question about whether it was right for activists to protest at places like restaurants. Now, this was in reference to Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So Kavanaugh had to leave a Morton's restaurant after protesters arrived at the state the steakhouse on Friday and basically ran him out. So he's really got a choice. Now, here's here's the thing. Um, I, when I go to D.C., there's a couple of places around the hotel that we will go, and it is frequented by politicians. 
And the thing about being in D.C. at the time that I'm in D.C. with the people that I'm with in D.C., they're not exactly an unrowdy bunch of people. And I'm not talking about the police officers and everything else that are there. I'm talking about everybody else who's there. They're not exactly um, quiet and complimentary people. Okay, they they tend to express their opinions. So when you're sitting at one of these famous bars or eateries or whatnot around our hotel after the events of the day get done with and you have politicians walking into that exact same place, things are said. And luckily, every time I've been in D.C. when this has happened, it has not turned into a big ordeal. I mean, for the most part, I think everybody in D.C. kind of understands how to handle this. And it usually goes fairly smoothly. Somebody says something, everybody calms them down. Basically, you're going to be out of here if you don't, you know, shut up, that sort of thing. And that's usually how it goes. But I keep waiting for like an Eric Swalwell to walk in. And the reason I bring up Eric Fartwell is very specific. Because one of these places that I frequent when I go to D.C. is a place that he frequents when he goes to D.C. And not that I'm telling you that I'm going to get an Eric Swalwell's face. I have no reason to get an Eric Swalwell's face. However, Eric Swalwell has gotten in other people's face at this establishment. So what happens if Eric Swalwell meanders into this place and gets in someone's face at this establishment with the people that I'm going to be in D.C. with? It's not going to be a fun time for Eric Swalwell. I'm not saying he's going to be attacked or anything like that, but he's going to be verbally accosted and he's going to get run out of the joint. But at least at that point in time, he will have initiated it like he has done so many times before. And I've told you many times that there are public figures and public figures always get a little bit of this stuff in public. It happens. You know, people mess with our cars, people come to our house, people, you know, verbally accost us and that sort of thing. Sometimes they interrupt your meals and in unfriendly ways. And I'm not talking about when I'm doing an event. I'm talking about, you know, just in general when you're out with your family. It happens. It's always wrong. It's always wrong. However, I'm officially changing my policy on that. Here's what Pete said. When public officials go into public life, we should expect two things, Buttigieg said. One, you should always be free from violence, harassment, and intimidation. And two, you're never going to be free from criticism or peaceful protest, people exercising their First Amendment rights. Okay, what happened to Kavanaugh was harassment and intimidation, you idiot. That's the problem. I didn't see little Pete going out there and expressing some outrage about intimidation as protesters were illegally protesting outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house. I didn't see Pete Buttigieg utter a single statement about the guy who showed up at the justice's house to kill him. Did you? Anybody? I didn't see anything about that. It's funny how Pete keeps his little mouth shut when there's a Democrat or a liberal on the other end of some horrible thing. He doesn't say anything, but he loves, he loves mentioning it if it happens to be somebody on the right. He also loves pretending that people on the right do things far more egregious than what actually happened. He's he's a big one for that. Now, <laughs> this was reported by the Post Millennial as Pete Buttigieg justifies Brett Kavanaugh having to leave a steakhouse after leftist activists descended on the restaurant because these protesters are upset because a right that a majority of American support was taken away. Um, And again, 
Pete Buttigieg can conflate the numbers all he wants. Roe v. Wade gave you a right that you didn't have a right to have. That's a fact. That is a legal standard, period. The Supreme Court had no authority to do that. There is no constitutional right to abortion. Anybody who says that I had a right to an abortion is lying to you. You had a right to privacy. And they lumped it into that. But beyond that, there wasn't a power that the Constitution granted the court to do. So it was an illegal ruling. It wasn't a right that you had. You may have liked it, but it wasn't real. And he can say that the majority of Americans support it all he wants. The truth is, a majority of Americans do support abortion. However, a vast majority of Americans believe that abortion should be limited between 12 and 15 weeks. Most European countries, the max you're going to get is 12 weeks of allowable time to get, get an abortion. Now, I know that it's it's been a while since I've been away and I've been on vacation, so my math isn't so good. So I'm going to turn to, uh, to, to young man Ben here. Ben, how many months is 12 weeks again? 40, 40, no, not, it's not 48 months. How many months is 12 weeks? Three months. You, you think you can get your act together in three months to figure out you're pregnant? I know there's some TikTok somewhere that says some lady was, you know, just going to the bathroom at a truck stop and she had a kid and she totally didn't know it was happening. Yeah, I know. Yeah, sure. Most Americans support serious restrictions on abortion. They support abortion, but with serious restrictions. That is not something that Pete Buttigieg has ever supported. Pete Buttigieg campaigned on allowing you to abort a child at nine months. He campaigned on it. He was asked very specifically about it, and he endorsed it. And now he wants you to believe that he's father of the year. He's not even at home doing anything with these kids. Chaston's doing most of it. I know that Chaston's on Twitter and everything else and supporting his husband and all of that stuff. I get that, but eventually it's going to catch up with him. So Pete Buttigieg goes out there and basically, ah, you know what? Hey, these people are mad. Okay, it does not, it does not justify them harassing a Supreme Court justice in a restaurant. And up until, up until Friday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, I would have never supported somebody harassing Pete Buttigieg or Chaston in public either. I do now. Yep, you heard it. We're 17 minutes in from my return on vacation, and I'm telling you, all right, it's open season then. Not for violence, but for harassment. If the left wants to go into restaurants and grocery stores and car washes and whatever else people are participating in who happen to be on the political right, and the left is out there, numerous elected politicians, now you've got people in the executive branch of government justifying the harassment. you got the Department of Justice flat out ignoring the law and allowing people to break the law to intimidate court personnel then screw it. Harass all of them. If you see Chaston, if you see Pete, if you see their mommies, you see their siblings, if they have any, you see anybody in their inner sphere out in public, by all means, yell at them. Don't hurt them. Don't want violence. Yell at them. Give them a piece of your mind. Peacefully protest, because that's what they call it. I did the air quote thing on the live stream just so there's context here. They called it peacefully protesting. So I am just going to, 
I am going to quote Pete Buttigieg in his own words. You ready? In his own words. If you see Pete or Chastin or their babies or their family or anybody in the inner circle, you need to not be violent with them. Don't harass, don't intimidate, but you're allowed to express your anger and your outrage at them. Let's see how fast he flips his little attitude on this one. You let him know what you think about roundabouts. You let him know what you think about the tens of billions of dollars that are still sitting offshore, off of California's coast, on cargo ships. Oh, they don't talk about that one anymore, do they? they yeah, they don't They don't like to give you any updates on what's happening with that. Was it like $40 billion, I think, is still sh- sitting offshore right now, about $40 billion? You make sure you give him a piece of your mind. Peacefully. And I'm not being sarcastic about that, because I know that they'll try and say that this is a veiled threat. Because remember, when you say what they say, it's a veiled threat. When they say it, no, you can't possibly take it out of context. I don't want them to be hurt at all. I have made that crystal clear my entire career. However, if it's okay to go harass a Supreme Court justice when he's trying to eat a steak, you better damn well believe it's okay to harass him when he comes to town when he tries to eat a steak. Well, or some strawberry field salad or whatever he noshes on because he doesn't eat steak. Whatever he wants to suck down his gullet in public. Feel free to harass him while he's doing it. Because, after all, it's okay for them to do it. Now it's okay for you. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I knew somebody was going to say this, so I wanted to address it. It's a good comment. Casey, I hear what you're saying. I've always said that we need Republicans to fight back hard like they do. But I don't like the idea of this stuff being done in public. It isn't in us. That's why they do it. That's why they do it. Here's the the truth of the matter, folks. Um, People who support Pete Buttigieg will go out and do this to you. People who don't like Pete Buttigieg wouldn't do it to them. Vast majority of them. There are a few out there who would. And that's why they know that they can do it. How many milkshakes did they throw on people at restaurants a couple of years ago before COVID? How many people did they run out of restaurants a couple of years ago before COVID? Simply for being in the Trump administration or working for Fox News. Again, look at the people who harassed Brian Kilmeade for an entire, was it week? Maybe two. They know that you won't do it. That's why they do it. I'm not telling you to go out and do anything that would make you uncomfortable. I'm not telling you to go out of your way. I don't want you to stalk anybody. And again, I do not want you to hurt anybody. All I'm saying is, if you happen to find yourself in a location where one of them happens to be, you know what? Feel free. Feel free to verbally accost them. Give them a piece of your mind because they're justifying it happening to you. They're justifying it happening to other people. Really is that simple. And if they don't want to go ahead and and have that happen to them, then maybe they should stop telling people to go do that. 
I looked it up. Um, it is $40 billion in cargo are still on container ships waiting to dock offshore. 64% of waiting ships off of the east and Gulf coasts, just 36% off of the west coast. Anchorage continues to fill the, uh, the waiting container ships off of east and Gulf coast ports, where vessel queues have now far outgrown those off the west coast. Along all three coasts combined, the number of waiting container vessels remains exceptionally high. This is you not doing your job, Pete. There were 125 container ships waiting off North American ports on Friday morning. Now, I don't know how how many of you know anything about boating. I don't. But 125 container ships sounds like an awful lot to me. Have you ever seen a container ship? Imagine 125 of those things just sitting there waiting for old Pete to get things done. All of your products and all of your supplies and everything else you've been waiting for sitting on that container ship. I'm sure that one of my products is sitting on that container ship as well. Of course, if they knew what was on that container ship, they would probably sink it because they don't want me to get this thing. So Friday morning, there were 125 container ships waiting off of North American ports. Now that's down 16% from 150 waiting ships in January. So in six months' time, with everything that he's doing within the power of his office, Pete Judge has helped get the number of Q for container ships down 16%. So he's had 16% progress since January. Does that sound like acceptable performance to any of you? Of course not. Let's see. Uh, the ship queue off of Los Angeles, Long Beach, garnered the most headlines over the past year, yet the congestion epicenter has shifted. As of Friday, only 36% of waiting ships were off coast, uh, West Coast ports, 64% off of the East and the Gulf Coast ports. Hey, guess where most of the baby formula is coming from? East. Gulf. Not coming out west. Container ships waiting off U.S. and British Columbia ports on Friday had a combined capacity of 1,037,164 20-foot equivalent units. Let's see uh, how much cargo value is in all those boxes on a purely back-of-the-envelope basis, assuming 90% utilization. Okay, Some estimates are actually higher than that. And an average cargo value per import, uh, $43,899, the average value of cargo imported by Los Angeles in 2020. So that's $2020. So a conservative estimate is that the number of, of the amount of cargo, the dollar value of cargo sitting off of the coast on Friday morning was over $40 billion. That's the conservative estimate. And you're just sitting here waiting. Now Pete's running around. And here's the thing. I mean, he's got a point about the airlines refunding you in cash instead of just giving you a free trip if they're not going to fly you out where you're going. Okay, he's got a point there. I'm not going to completely chastise the guy over that. I know that a lot of people are upset about it, but, I mean, you know, what would you want? If your flight was canceled, would you want a refund or would you just want a, a voucher? I think most people would probably want their money back. So do I approve of the way that he's going about it? No. However, I'm not going to beat him up over that. I am going to beat him up over the fact that, yeah, we still got 125 plus container ships 
who can't get into the United States. And since January, he's only improved the problem 16%. And I know it's not all him, but guess what? His boss is getting rid of tariffs on Chinese products except for those container chassis. Not getting rid of the tariffs on that. And that's the main culprit for what we have right now. And more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, MNC News Times 333. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. We'll get into uh, Twitter. Don't worry. We'll get into it. Not just Elon Musk either. I got three big Twitter stories, and they're all huge, and they will affect a large chunk of your lives. So we will get to that. Lots of stuff happening with Twitter. Um, one of the reasons, yeah, a little bit lighter now. One of the reasons that I'm always telling people, and I got into this with, uh, with previous producers and some of you folks online on the discord server and everything else. I'm a, you know, that I'm a tech guy. I like advancing technology. I dig that stuff. However, the one thing that I just don't really do is I don't go with digital stuff only for movies, video games, music. And there's some reasons for that. One, I, I do this job and I've covered stories like what I'm about to tell you. But the other thing is that I always want to have control over my media. And part of that is making sure that if it hits the fan, I still have the disc to do what I want to do. Give you a perfect example. Sony PlayStation is going to remove access to some movies even if you have purchased them. Now, here's the moment where I look at some of you who have had this discussion, friendly discussion, and I go, ha ha, told you. (laughs) If you just do a digital download, they can revoke access to the digital download whenever they want. If you have the physical disc, you can watch that bad boy whenever you want and make copies of it, although you're not supposed to. Now, this is, there's some people like, you don't need to get the actual disc. You don't need to get the Blu-ray. You don't need to get this. Well, yeah, I don't, but it's nice to have in a pinch, right? If you're tired of, hold on, wrong thing, sorry. Uh, From August, Sony's PlayStation users in Germany and Austria will no longer have access to the Studio Canal titles that they purchased Citing the rise of streaming services on August 31st of 2021, Sony's PlayStation stopped selling and renting movies and TV shows. At the, t- at the time, Sony told customers that they could still access movie and TV content they have purchased through PlayStation Store for on-demand playback on their mobile devices, PS4 and PS5. Well, no longer. Now again, this is not um, this is really not a malicious thing on PlayStation's part. It, they're they're kind of being ripped apart for for this, but at the same time, once PlayStation got rid of their live TV stuff and they started pulling away from renting, you know, movies and things like that, you should have seen the writing on the wall and back those things up to some hard physical form. Okay, whether that's a USB drive or external hard drive or whatever, you should have done that. If you didn't, this is this is kind of on you. But nonetheless, I want to use this as an illustration to just point out you can always lose access to things that you own if you don't physically have them in your possession. 
always. Whether it's a glitch, whether it's censorship, whether it's evolving business practices like with this story here, doesn't really matter. If you own something, air quote, you own something and you possess it, but you don't actually have possession of it, it's just in your account and you can access it through your account online, that can always be taken away from you. Whereas the physical disc can't. As of August 31st, 2022, due to our evolving licensing agreements with content providers, you will no longer be able to view your previously purchased Studio Canal content and it will be removed from your video library. A notice posted on the gaming platform's website reads, we greatly appreciate your continued support. Uh, Sony did not say if users will be refunded for the purchases once the titles are removed. They they probably won't. I'm assuming they won't unless there's a big giant sting. Now, this isn't really going to affect anybody here in the U.S. This is in Austria and Germany. So I guess in Germany, they're removing like 314 movies, and then in Austria, it's 137. And again, this is because of licensing agreements, and licensing agreements always change. Another reason why you desperately need to own and have physical copies of what it is that you have purchased. So the titles that will be removed, I'm not going to give you obviously all 300 of them, but all of the Paddington movies, Shaun the Sheep, uh, see Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, whatever the heck that is, John Wick, Hunger Games, you know, a bunch of those, a bunch of those uh, things. They're all gone. So if you bought the John Wick series, which you should, if you bought the John Wick series on PlayStation, it's gone away. So, <laughs> well, I mean, at least in these countries here. So you should probably always make sure that you have that. I just, again, I'm just want you to keep this in mind as we go forward. I had this discussion uh, with uh, a buddy of mine, I don't know, like a year ago. And they were basically saying, yeah, you know, you don't really need the Blu-rays anymore. And I, for the record, I'm still convinced that, that when you play the disc on your Blu-ray player, it is better quality than streaming it, even if you're streaming it at the maximum quality. I am convinced of that. I have not seen that play out any differently anywhere. Um, really, there's only one television show that you might be able to convince me is Blu-ray quality, and that is For All Mankind on Apple+. Plus. I haven't seen anything else on my television that would justify comparing Blu-ray to to streaming. Can it be done? I'm sure it can. It's just not now. So for me, one, it's I think it's better quality to have the disc at this point in time. But also you don't lose access to it if it's ever taken away from you. You imagine if you had purchased like... um, like a, you know, what is a woman or something like that from, let's just say, you know, Amazon, even though it's not available on Amazon. But let's just say, because Amazon has deleted conservative documentaries before. But let's just say you purchased it via Amazon, then all of a sudden Amazon just got rid of, of Walsh's movie. Now, too bad. They don't, they don't like what he had to say, so you don't have access to it anymore. Don't put yourself in that position. Nothing wrong with the convenience of having them available in your account, but always make sure you've got a physical copy So that way you can always have access to it should something like this happen in the future. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You know, I was listening to... 
Britt Hume and Brian Kilmeade talking today, and they were talking about Glenn Youngkin being a potential contender and, and that sort of thing and talking about they don't think that Trump can win and all this stuff. Look, yeah, I, I like both of those gentlemen. Don't get me wrong. It's just that I, I was listening to it, and all I could think of is I'm listening to a couple of people from New York who are in the bubble of New York who don't know what's happening outside of New York. That's just the reality. We run into this constantly in politics. People in the coasts think they understand the American people. They don't. They have an, an insight into what's happening in their area and the guests that they talk to, but they don't really have any practical knowledge going around the country. And so consistently, we tend to find analysts who are based in D.C., L.A., maybe occasionally Chicago. You don't have many analysts in Chicago. And then, of course, New York City. They tend to get these things wrong. They misread the American public. And the reason they misread the American public is, again, they're in a bubble. You know, La La Land is a nickname for California, well, Los Angeles for a reason. It's, you know, obviously you're dealing with the movie fantasies and everything else. But one of the reasons is that it is such a unique culture there that it is not applicable to anything outside of L.A., which means people who live in L.A. are just completely walled off from reality. They're walled off from reality in their jobs. They're walled off from reality in their daily lives, the way that they look, the the culture, the politics of it. They're completely walled off from reality. And in New York, it's basically the same thing. You've heard me complain about this before. When when Fox is really getting going, they don't do this so much anymore. When Fox is really getting going, they're doing the national news syndication stuff. And like we're a Fox affiliate, so we get Fox News. They were constantly doing New York weather. They were doing New York traffic. That doesn't make any sense. Why am I driving around in Las Vegas, Nevada, listening to them talk about New York weather and traffic as if it were a news update? I don't care. Now, they don't do it anymore, but they did initially. Now, what what motivates them to do that? They live there. They live there, and it's a massive place, and there's tons of people there, and they think everything revolves around them, and therefore, it's important. And everybody wants to know what's going on in New York because it's New York. Everybody wants to know what's going on in L.A. because it's L.A. Nope, nobody cares. Got news for you. Um, The program director who fired me in Las Vegas thought that everybody wanted to know what was going on in San Francisco. Nobody cares about San Francisco. Not a single person cares about San Francisco outside of San Francisco. It's just how it is. But you run into this. And so I'm listening to them talk about, you know, Youngkin and everything else. Is Youngkin a potential candidate? Maybe they floated the idea out there. I haven't seen anything in Glenn Youngkin that makes Glenn Youngkin appealing to the middle of, of the country at all. Do I think he's doing a decent job in, in Pennsylvania? Sure. I just don't think that he's actually done anything that would be a mass appeal to the middle of the country. Now, maybe that changes in the future, and I'll adjust my my you know thinking on that in the future. But I'm just listening to Britt Hume and, and Brian Kilmey talk about this. I'm like, eh. They're missing large swaths of why people vote the way that they do. Now, in the spirit of that, I'm staring at a Rasmussen report. Now, this Rasmussen report is for the end of last month. And what it did is it came up with the the big issues that you are concerned about. So while you have pundits and media personalities running around and going, Glenn Youngkin is like a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. He could appeal to everybody. Yeah, that's not going to get you elected anymore on a national level. They're also the same people that control your media. So what is the news media 
tell everybody that they care about. The news media thinks you care about these five issues more than anything else. Climate change, the war in Ukraine, capital riot investigation, COVID-19, and of course, LGBTQ issues. That's what they think. That's what the news media thinks you care about, according to this latest research from Rasmussen, based on their their coverage of these issues. Okay. In fact, I'm just I was just watching a thing here on uh, it was Fox News actually, where they were talking about uh, new COVID variants might actually force LA into indoor mask mandates again. Because again, it's, they're stupid. They're in their own world, right? So when they actually survey people, though. Okay, when they actually survey people, here's what they find out. You care about illegal immigration. That's number nine. We're going to go to nine to number one. You care about illegal immigration. You care about election cheating. Seventy five percent of you care about it. They they're trying to tell you that that's not a real issue. Seventy five percent of the country cares about election cheating. Abortion rights, school issues, election integrity. So election cheating and election integrity make the list twice. Isn't that interesting? Violent crime, number four. The economy, number three. Inflation, number two. Number one issue, rising gas prices. Yet when they surveyed members of the media, they thought you cared about climate change, the war in Ukraine, capital riot investigation, COVID-19, and gay issues. out of touch there and i know that you're i'm preaching to the choir here i understand that you listening to this right now you're keenly aware of how out of touch the media is with the people they have been for a very long time but there isn't a single overlapping issue that members of the media survey by rasmussen think is important or they think that the, the public thinks is important versus what the actual public thinks is important not a single overlapping issue not one they have you all so wrong they do not know you and it's not necessarily because they're bad people just caught up in their own little world and nobody has been wise enough or brave enough to tell them that they need to get out of it or coming up and good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel kind of on par with what i was saying in the last segment before moving on to the next thing there's multiple resignations that have happened in the nebraska gop uh, apparently there are what they're referring to as patriot delegates who have taken control of the party um let's see so saturday nebraska gop convention which saw a change in leadership for the, the state party with the emergence of an unofficially termed patriot delegates taking control This marks the overturning of Governor Pete Ricketts' stranglehold on the party in the state. Uh, Malia Shirley of the Nebraska Freedom Coalition told the Post-Millennial that the Ricketts machine lost control of the party on Saturday. In the days leading up to the convention, six delegates were informed that their credentials had been canceled. Among those uh, were some people from Lancaster County, which which includes the capital Lincoln in its territory. Um, but, you know, essentially the Nebraska GOP has been taken over by allegedly um, patriot slash conservative side. So the moderates have lost out in Nebraska. And it just it kind of goes to show this is what I'm, I'm saying. They don't they don't understand you. There's a desperate control right now for the party. Now, I have seen this happen before. This happened in the state of Nevada when I was there. And then what ended up happening is the. 
the state party, and this is not hyperbole and I'm not making it up, and I know that a lot of you will think that I am, but I am not. I've got witnesses. We, we did reports on this. We documented this um, with, with CBS radio and everything. The, the state party had actors, not, not like actors as in their acting, but like people. They actually broke into the home of some of the, the people who took over the party, younger, more conservative, not moderate, um, and they threatened them. And as a result, they resigned. And then the state, the state party just regained control of the Clark County Republican Party at that time. Um, since then, there's been a revolt in the state party. The state party has kind of changed hands. But at the time, it was it was a very big deal. So we'll see what ends up happening in Nebraska. Uh, but it looks like um, the the conservative wing of Nebraska Republicans have taken over that party there. And this has led to several people resigning because they don't want to be a part of it anymore. Now, they also, there's a very interesting story. Now, I don't use the Gateway Pundit all that much. For some reason, Jim Hoft is not happy with me, and I don't know why, considering I had him as a guest on my show before any of you knew who the Gateway Pundit was when he had a fledgling website that nobody went to. But for some reason, he has blocked me on the website, and I'm not allowed to post there or comment there. I don't know what's going on with Jim Hoft. It's doesn't make any sense i just had um right before covid i had one of his writers on the show and shortly after that even though it was a good interview i was not allowed <laughs> to do anything on the website anymore so i don't cover a lot of what they do but the gateway pundit does have access to stuff that a lot of people do not have access to and for a lot of people on the left, they just want to see the Gateway Pundit as some right-wing blog or what have you. But the truth is they've got a lot of contacts and they do break a lot of stories. And those stories almost always end up being true, which is why I find this one to be particularly interesting. They say that they have a whistleblower who has leaked documents to them. The documents look official. I can't independently corroborate that they are official, but the documents do look official. Okay which is why I'm telling you the story, because if it ends up being true, it is a very big deal. The FBI and the Department of Injustice, as he refers to it, this is, uh, well, not he, her, this is Kara over there, continue to viciously politically persecute American citizens and terrorize the public. Now they've been caught. A whistleblower has leaked a treasure trove of documents and text messages, some marked highly sensitive to the Gateway Pundit. These documents contain incredibly exculpatory evidence proving the Department of Justice was aware that a group of indicted Proud Boys were innocent, yet are being prosecuted anyway. You can find the entire dump of documents below in this article, which I will link to in the Daily Show prep. It includes hundreds of pages of transcripts of audio recorded interviews with an assisting United States attorney, FBI agent, and their confidential human source. The confidential human source or CHS infiltrated the Kansas City Proud Boys group for over a year and a half before the January 6th event and kept the FBI informed on the group's activities. According to the source, Knowles had gained the group's total trust and was included in all group communications. Now, who is Knowles? Well, James Aaron, E-H-R-E-N, Knowles, is the confidential human source for the FBI. This is the person that allegedly is working for the FBI 
and infiltrated the Kansas City Proud Boys. He was there for over a year and a half, feeding the FBI information. Okay, Now, most of you are probably like, okay, that's not a big deal. We assume that the FBI had informants inside the Proud Boys. I did too. The informant, it's what he said that's important. It's not that he was in the group. Okay, The informant told his handlers at the FBI that the Kansas City Proud Boys group that he was infiltrating and accompanied to the Capitol on January 6th, quote, this is according to the documents now that have been released, that this Proud Boys group, which is now currently under indictment, were not involved in, nor did they inspire breaking of the barriers at the Capitol building. According to the FBI's informant, they described the scene as the crowd doing it as a herd mentality and that it was not organized. The crowd was shouting, stop the vote, as they made their way into the Capitol building. There were no overt threats of violence made at that time. Now, this is, according to the documents that have been released, this is the FBI informant that was working for the FBI who had infiltrated the Proud Boys in Kansas City. This is what they told the FBI after January 6th, that the Kansas City Proud Boys didn't instigate anything, didn't plan anything, and didn't threaten anybody. Which begs to question, why are members of the Kansas City Proud Boys, if this is true, why are they currently being prosecuted for doing all of those things that the FBI's own informant said they didn't do? Not only that, but the informant also testifies to the FBI that the Proud Boys plan to come to Washington, D.C. to risk their own safety to protect average Trump supporters from Antifa attacks so that um, people could enjoy the day and get back to the hotel safely. Which, for the record, makes sense because that's what the Proud Boys do. The Proud Boys, their primary mission now is to protect um, right-wing, conservative, Trump supporters when they do their rallies from being attacked by Antifa. That is pretty much the entire purpose of the Proud Proud Boys. Um, Yes, occasionally some chapters have gotten involved in other things. Uh, Locally here, they showed up to support parents uh, when there was transgender stuff being taught in the library locally. And, um, and of course, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, they were falsely accused of engaging in violence in Kalamazoo, Michigan, when in fact it was Antifa who engaged in the violence. And an investigation proved that uh, what we exclusively told you with our interview with a member of the Proud Boys, who happens to be a black man, uh, was not accurate. And that was also based on the video footage at the time. But the police chief there lied to you. The mayor lied to you. A bunch of other people lied to you in Kalamazoo, Michigan. They were forced to apologize and retract, which they did. Meanwhile, the Proud Boys, which are essentially a drinking fraternity, which is now morphed into this um, this other group, um, along with other groups like the Oath Keepers, have become the fall guys, along with President Trump, for an entirely phony, quote, insurrection. Now, this is a very interesting article here, because they, they go through, they give you a bunch of background and everything else, which, again, I will put in the Daily Show prep. Uh, it's a very, very good report. What I find interesting about this uh, is that this is a leak from a whistleblower. If these documents, because there is a large dump of these documents, if these documents are not real, somebody went to a large effort to doctor them. I cannot independently corroborate them. I have not, being on vacation, I've not had time to do so. What I can tell you is, There's a lot here, and it looks real. And if it's not, it is. there's a lot of effort that went into this. So 
this has some credibility. And if this informant who leaked this this stuff to the Gateway Pundit, of course, you have to ask why they leaked the stuff to the Gateway Pundit, probably because they have a large audience and they've been covering the January 6th stuff and they have uncovered a lot of things about January 6th that were lies. And they're probably frustrated that people that are innocent, even according to the FBI's own people inside the Kansas City Proud Boys, are probably getting railroaded here for political reasons. He reported that members of the groups never mentioned stopping the Electoral College or certification of the election, as the FBI clearly was hoping that he would report. The agents also pressed him throughout his interviews, as you can see in the transcripts, and did not like what they were hearing. Keep in mind, this is their informant, okay? This is their informant. I will read you a bit here, and then we'll, we'll take a break. Confidential human source, a collaborative source with direct and indirect access, most of whose reporting has been corroborated, stated the following on January 6, 2021. He stated the Proud Boys were not involved in, nor did they inspire the breaking of the barriers at the Capitol building. This is, this is a quote from the actual document, okay, not the article. The CHS described the scene as the crowd doing it as a herd mentality and that it was not organized. The crowd was shouting stop the vote as they made their way into the Capitol building. They were not there were not overt threats of violence made at that time. CHS stated that KC Proud Boys in attendance at the rally entered the Capitol building 30 minutes after the building was breached to help de-escalate Trump supporters and law enforcement. One Proud Boy member entered the building. They told pe- once the Proud Boys entered the building, they told people to stop acting like anarchists and leave. The Proud Boys also told people to start bagging trash from where trash cans were thrown at law enforcement, along with a woman who was saying the same thing to protesters. The Proud Boys also told protesters to stop at the doors of the House of Representatives and that their voice was heard and it was time to go. Law enforcement officer gave a thumbs up to the Kansas City Proud Boys as they were trying to clear the area of people trying to fight law enforcement. No one from the Kansas City Proud Boys were involved with the battery of law enforcement officers, nor did anyone damage property at the Capitol building. The Kansas City Proud Boys then went back to a rental house and adhered to the curfew in place. The confidential informant stated law enforcement seemed grateful as the Kansas City Proud Boys ushered individuals out of the building. Once uh, one member of the Kansas City Proud Boys told an older, hefty, white law enforcement officer that the Proud Boys de-escalated downstairs and are clearing out. Now, this is, according to the documents that have now been leaked, which look official. So if this is true, and there's a lot more to this, by the way, if this is true and these documents are real, which they appear to be, why are members of the Kansas City Proud Boys being prosecuted right now? More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, back from vacation. I want to thank you all for the uh, the kind things that you said when I was gone. I appreciate that. All right, we got to talk about Twitter. I got three stories here that involve Twitter, and I think they're, they're all big. And I know that many of you are not on Twitter. Uh, if you're on Truth Social, follow me there. 
There's some weird stuff happening with Getter. A bunch of Chinese bots are taking over that whole website. So, uh, But Truth Social, uh, you can follow me there. Telegram, you can follow me there at Casey the Host on either one of those. Of course, rumble.com slash Casey the Host to watch the live streams, both the early show and this show. So most of you know by now that Elon Musk has announced that he wants to back out of the Twitter deal. Now, the real question is, does he really want to back out of the Twitter deal? Or does he just want to force Twitter to actually turn over the information that they are refusing to turn over? And if he goes into court, he's able to get that. Don't know. We're still waiting to figure out what's going to happen there. But this is a very, very interesting story. Obviously, Elon Musk goes out there, he wants to buy Twitter, and Twitter has now done everything in its power publicly. The employees... The board members, the executives, they've done everything within their power publicly to stop the sale of Twitter. And now that the sale of Twitter has been stopped, they're threatening to sue Elon Musk to force the sale of Twitter. Which, of course, is going to make them look ridiculous. And watching some people say some of the things they're saying doesn't make any sense. Elon Musk has got a very interesting argument here. Part of this is because they wouldn't turn over the data on the bots. We had heard that Twitter was going to turn over the data, but they didn't turn over all of the data. And that was his main thing. He's very concerned about the number of fake users on Twitter. And while bots are allowed on Twitter, Elon Musk is concerned that there is a much larger um, amount of bots and fake accounts on Twitter than Twitter admits to, which would change the valuation of the platform. Okay, So he's trying to get them to give him the real data. They have been refusing. And as a result, he has said, well, then I'm not going to buy. It really is that simple. So Twitter is now saying that they're going to sue him to force the sale. After publicly, very publicly, multiple times trying to kill the deal. It's a very interesting situation that he has put them in. But beyond that, if they do sue him and do go to court, they're going to have to reveal the data that he wanted anyway, which could Destroy the platform, depending on how bad it really is. And a lot of people really believe that it's bad. If you look at engagement, and I've talked about this for many, many years on Twitter, if you look at engagement, it's it's crystal clear that most people on Twitter uh, who create content, it's a very small percentage of people who actually have an account. So most accounts don't really do anything. And that puts Twitter in a very interesting position. Not a good one. Now, with that said, Twitter's also just had a settlement from a lawsuit. Alex Berenson sued Twitter, and he's basically won. He sued them for censorship. Okay, Alex Berenson, a former New York Times reporter, he's very good, by the way. I encourage you to take a look at his Substack. Um, he is a former New York Times reporter who got kicked off of Twitter for violating his five strikes policy around COVID quote misinformation, and then sued. He's settled with Twitter. He has also been reinstated on Twitter. His reporting was accurate, but Twitter censored him by saying he was posting misinformation. He's a journalist who posted correct information, and Twitter censored him. So he sued. He filed a lawsuit, okay? And he won. There was a settlement because he was going to win. They reinstated him. They're going to pay him money, okay? The details of the settlement remain unknown, causing disappointment among many of Berenson's audience on Substack given that he previously explained the lawsuit's purpose as a way to, in essence, disclose the level of collusion between Twitter and the government around censorship. But now he says that even though nobody knows 
what the settlement entails. And as far as anyone can tell right now, the needle hasn't really been moved on shedding light on Twitter government collaboration. The outcome of the lawsuit may yet benefit other banned users. That's because of the reasons a federal judge decided not to dismiss the lawsuit back in April. Okay. Now, this is all based on a, a an allegation of breach of contract, which I've told you for years is probably a good route to go with Twitter on this. Uh, let's see. Where did the plaintiff plausibly avers, okay, that uh, Twitter's conduct here modified its contract with plaintiff and then breached that contract by failing to abide by its own five-strike policy and its specific commitment set forth through its vice president. That's according to the judge in the case. So Berenson wins this thing. Now, Berenson wins it, and what immediately happens? Dr. Robert Malone and other doctors who are censored during COVID have now filed their lawsuit. So Alex Berenson, a journalist who posted correct information throughout the pandemic and was censored by Twitter and kicked off of Twitter, has won his case and got his account reinstated. And immediately upon winning that, now you have medical professionals who were censored during COVID. They have now collectively filed their lawsuit, which includes doctors Peter McCall and Robert Malone. Uh, Brian Tyson is also involved in all of this. So this is going to be really, really interesting to see what happens here. Because once again, as I've said before, you've got these interns, basically, and you've got these, you know, uh, early 20-somethings for the most part who don't know anything about any of this, basically censoring medical professionals on it or censoring members of the press who link directly to, like me, actual studies, not news articles where somebody says, oh, so-and-so says this or this public health official says that. But when you link to an actual study and you're getting censored, you have physical evidence that what you're saying has some credibility. Now, if there's another study that contradicts that, okay, you allow both of them to compete, people will decide Uh, The people who are behind those studies will debate on the platform that you're supposed to allow, but they weren't allowing it. So very interesting stuff. Pay attention to this because Twitter is in a mess. They got the Elon Musk fiasco that's happening right now. They've just lost a case against a journalist, and now they're being sued by several doctors. This is not going to end well for them, all because they chose to censor people. And as I've said before, this has always been a breach of contract issue. Not necessarily a censorship issue. And that is exactly how they're winning these cases. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC. News time is 4.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. Such a good song. Too bad it's going away. Because YouTube won't let me keep it. Even though I got permission to use it. It's a good tune. Some of you only know that as the Kill Bill song. But it's not. It's Tomiyasu Hutai, Battle Without Honor or Humanity. That's what you should know it by. And I have got to tell you about Z-Bar to South Bend. So here's the deal. Um, we have had the ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating put on almost every one of our vehicles. We had a couple of vehicles that didn't qualify for it because the paint wasn't good enough. But all of the vehicles we had that were newer, we put the ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating on. This is an amazing product. You could do it the lame way and go to an auto parts store and grab a little spritz bottle and spritz it onto your car with a microfiber cloth. I suppose you could do that. It'll wear off in a couple of days and not really protect your vehicle at all. Other than, you know, making it slightly more hydrophobic than it is. Or you can get the real ceramic Z gloss paint coating 
where you have a real ceramic coating put on your vehicle, which is harder than your clear coat and will better protect your vehicle against scratches and dents, will make it shine better than it has shined when it was brand new, right off of the factory floor. I know I've told you that a million times. Will protect it from the elements, will last at least seven years, and is going to retain the value of your vehicle. You could do that, or you could get a little spritz bottle and pretend that you're actually accomplishing something on a Saturday afternoon. I go go to Z-Bar to South Bend. Just get it done. I mean, it's amazing. Your vehicle looks clean even if it's dirty. Z-Bar to South Bend. Let them know I sent you. Get the ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating. Put on the vehicle. Just get it done the right way. Okay. I've got a couple of stories here that involve electric vehicles. Now, before we say this, I want you to know that I know that some of you have your electric vehicle and you love your electric vehicle. My intent here is not to trash electric vehicles. My intent is to make sure that people understand what they're buying. They have their benefits. They have their their drawbacks. Um, I'm very concerned about the power grid with this stuff. And I think that a lot of, well, I think a lot of you should be concerned because the executives at the power companies are concerned. So it's not just me like fear mongering or anything else. I mean, there's some real concern with this stuff. And I've been watching um, a lot of of online videos, things like that, YouTube and Rumble with uh, electric vehicles. And there's mixed reviews about electric vehicles. As I told you before, like I wouldn't even mind having one. I actually looked at the new, uh, the new like uh, uh, compact pickup that Ford makes. I looked at that possibly as being an EV option for me, but yeah, it didn't have the features that I want. This is making a lot of sense. I I mean, I've looked into it. I'm not against electric vehicles at all. I know that sometimes it probably comes off that way, but I'm not. But what I don't want people to do is I don't want people to be sold a bill of goods, get something, and then regret that purchase. And this is not a cheap purchase. So this is a big deal, especially when you have the government trying to push you to get one. So there's this very interesting article. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker on a truck that says, yes, this is my pickup. No, I won't help you move. If you have an electric pickup, you may want to think about reversing the idea of that bumper sticker because helping someone make a short-distance local move may be about all you can do. That's an exaggeration, of course, but not by much. Because if you want to tow a trailer or a boat, your destination had better be close. Otherwise, you'll be making frequent stops to recharge your battery system. Now... One of the things that I told you about, there's this thing called range anxiety, and it's, you know, how far can your vehicle actually get? And this is what I talked about on Tucker Carlson in cold weather. You know, you get less range. Now, for most people, that's not going to be a problem. Then you had the article where the journalist was driving across the country and spent more time charging than sleeping in hotels. Then you start seeing all of these examples online of people waiting in line to charge their electric vehicle. Now, I think that most of you probably think the same way that I think. You buy an electric car, you drive around town that day, you get home, you plug it in. You don't have to worry about range anxiety because the thing is always charged because you never go that far, right? If you do need to go far, maybe you'll rent a car, okay? That's that's what most people think about. And that's what I figured would happen. So why is it that we have dozens of people all over the country waiting in line for hours to charge their vehicle at an electric vehicle charging station. Why aren't they just charging up at night at home? I don't have the answer to that. 
I don't know. But there's got to be a reason why so many people with electric vehicles that are supposed to have at least 250 miles per, for, their, for their range, there's got to be a reason that they're not able to charge their vehicles and they're having to go to these charging stations, right? Because it keeps happening. So why? When I was on vacation, there was another viral video of just this like two-mile-long line of vehicles just waiting to charge their car. That's insane to me. That doesn't make any sense. You're going to sit there for a couple of hours and charge it. I don't know. It's just bizarre. YouTube publisher Fastlane Truck did a comparison between an electric and a gas-powered pickup to determine how far each could tow a three-ton box trailer. The contestants were an electrified Ford F-150 pickup versus a GMC Denali Ultimate Edition with a 6.2-liter V8 gas engine. Not even diesel. Gas. Each towed an identical new toy hauler trailer, about 25 feet in length, while empty, was large enough to transport an entirely sheltered automobile. The vehicles began their test in Longmont, Colorado, heading southbound on Interstate 25 towards the People's Republic of Denver, which is about 33 miles away. The F-150 charged up and the GMC filled up before taking to the road. The electric truck's computer estimated 160 miles of range, which included calculating for the size and weight of the trailer. The gas-powered GMC's computer also taking the trailer into account estimated 264 miles of range. Most of you are getting between 260 and 300 miles per tank on your gas right now anyway, right? 160 miles in an electric vehicle is a little concerning, but should have been more than enough to do a a trip, which is supposed to be just 33 miles, right? Off they went. With the goal of the F-150 getting 147 miles down the road to a fast charging station in Pueblo, Colorado. Okay. But that estimate was optimistic. So the vehicle itself said, you've got 160 miles of range. So they were going to go 147 miles to the fast charging station. In Pueblo, should have had plenty of time, plenty plenty of, of capacity left. The estimate was optimistic. The electric truck had only traveled six miles when the computer recalculated range from 160 to 150 miles, cutting things very close if it was to reach Pueblo, Colorado. That called for a change of plans. The new charging stop was Colorado Springs, about 45 miles closer. After going 50 miles, the electric truck recalculated its range to indicate that it couldn't even make Colorado Springs. South of Denver, the truck was down to a 20% battery charge and concerned about being stranded with a dead battery, the driver had to turn around and drive the F-150 back north to the Denver exurb of Castle Rock and find a fast charger. With low battery warnings blazing and power automatically reduced to 90%, the electric truck with 9% left on its battery, hobbled into a Target parking lot in Castle Rock. But that caused another problem. Battery chargers tend to be lined in rows on the edge of parking lots. This is a truck with a trailer. How's that going to work? As a result, the F-150 test vehicle and trailer were blocking a major portion of Target's parking lot. They're probably not going to sponsor us in the future, said one of the participants. I saved this video. I haven't watched the entire thing yet. I've seen like a a bit of it. 
Now, the gas truck, its computer showed 120 mi- 129 miles of remaining range so that the driver had enough range to return to their starting point. Um, when it came to an analysis of costs, which favored the electric vehicle, in the end, the GMC, after returning to Longmont, traveled 156 miles and used 17.3 gallons of premium gasoline, which cost $93.79. That comes to 60.1 cents per mile energy cost, and it's still at 65 miles of range remaining. After 45 minutes, the F-150 was charged to 74%. It was not fully charged due to the time limits and needing to return the trailer to a point halfway back to Lawnmont. Uh, the cost of the 74% charge was 27 bucks. At $27 for 74% of a charge, the electric F-150 would have been fully charged at about $36.49, subtracting its remaining 9%. So, yeah, I mean, it gets about 38.6 cents per mile. So it was it was cheaper, but it didn't get them to where they needed to go. It's a bit of a problem, don't you think? Now, again, this is obviously, you know, I think a lot of truck people are like, well, I'm not buying a, an electric vehicle to tow anything. Okay, fair point. Um, I, I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> so it's you know, if you're towing something, you generally don't buy V6s either. But nonetheless, it's it's something for you to consider. Okay, If it has been in your wheelhouse, I'm going to get an electric vehicle, and maybe with the money that I'm saving, maybe I can go ahead and get, if you're saving anything, which generally you're not, then maybe I can get a little trailer or whatever and tow it around or what have you. May not be a good idea. Okay. Now, this is obviously a bit of a torture test and, and not you know indicative of just hobbling around town, which you'll probably be fine doing if you recharge at night when you get home. But as I've said before, I, I, there's got to be a reason that so many people keep getting in lines and waiting hours and hours and hours to charge up their vehicle a little bit just to be able to get home because they should just be charging at home and not having an issue getting around town, Correct. So I don't know if that's just their negligence or if there's something else going on. I'm not sure because everybody that I know that has an an EV loves it. I don't know anybody who doesn't like it. But there's this other story that's out there in the, the Western Journal, which has an automotive expert talking about range on electric vehicles again, being overly optimistic. And while the automotive industry is straight up lying to you, about how far you can actually get with one of these things. You know, kind of like they do with your miles per gallon rating, which nobody ever actually gets. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Apparently, I have an audience of people who drive their vehicle the way that they're supposed to be driven, and they get um, they get the miles per gallon that was advertised. Because <laughs> they're all like, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm like, okay, well, I, I've never known anybody who actually got the miles per gallon that their vehicle was advertised. If it says you're going to get 25, you're usually going to get like 21, something like that. But nonetheless, good for you guys. It's great. Well, the Western Journal has an interesting article here. Neil Winton. Winton is an auto industry analyst. He's also a senior contributor to Forbes magazine. He says that while EVs, electric vehicles, may look ideal if you're just going by the manufacturer's spec sheet, the real-world performance of these cars is very different than what's promised when it comes to range. Now, it's a long time ago, 
And it was the early versions of Tesla back when they would still brick themselves randomly. But do you remember when Top Gear did a test between a Tesla and I think it was a it was a BMW it was I think it was I think it was a BMW like an M3 something like that, right? Performance car. Um and they went around the track as fast as they could go, they're drifting, they're doing all that sort of thing and the BMW got more miles per gallon. They did it with a Prius too and the BMW beat the Prius even though it's not known as a fuel efficient vehicle. It's a performance car. So it's all in the way that you drive. A brand new electric car is gleaming on your driveway, and your first reaction is going to be excitement, followed perhaps by a smidgen of smugness, he wrote in a Forbes piece last month. Make sure you enjoy that moment, because the next one will be fury after you plug it into your house, and the range attained after a full charge is no relation to the number suggested by the dealer or the one written down in the car's specification details. Now, Winton says the problem is that the range numbers are derived from driving conditions divorced from real-world driving, which is, in my opinion, the issue with most regular gasoline cars. So he's basically saying the auto industry does with EVs what they do with gas cars, too. Instead, they're based on the computerized worldwide harmonized light vehicles test procedure, or WLTP, which is a laboratory test that aims to measure and standardize EV range numbers. I remember the last story we did, um, the car itself did a calculation and and told everybody how far the truck was going to be able to tow this particular trailer. It just didn't get there. So he goes into a lot of of detail here, which I'm going to put in the daily show prep for everybody. But again, says the same thing. I'm not trashing electric vehicles. I just want you to know what you're actually getting if you're considering getting one. And for that record, I'm sure I will get messages. Everybody I know who has an EV loves them. None of them drive them across country, but they all love their EV for various reasons. So it just depends on what you're looking for, what you're trying to get. But if you're towing a trailer, may not may not be a wise decision. Make sure you keep it charged so you didn't get stuck in one of them charging stations. And understand that your range may not be as good as what they're advertising it will be. And as long as that doesn't give you range anxiety because of the way you drive, then you should be all right. But just letting you know, there are some things you should probably be aware of before you actually go out and spend your hard-earned money. No more coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Before we dive in to the disaster that is the guy pretending to be president right now. If you go to try and find the show prep today, the daily show prep, you're probably going to type in theburningtruth.us. That is my website. The Burning Truth has been around for over 15 years at this point in time, and you will not get there. It is officially dead. So after 15 years, the Burning Truth has been killed off. Now, what you will get instead is you will get routed to the new website, btmedia.news. The Burning Truth is now being consolidated. It's an entirely different entity now, and it's BT Media. Now, when you go to BT Media, you will get the same daily show prep. You will still get the live stream. You will still get the podcast, the posts. 
all of it, you will get a better conservative news aggregator. And for those of you who go to the Burning Truth every single day because you want the news aggregator, you now have a better version of that. So it's your one-stop shop every single day. You go to the aggregator, and you will get all of the best stories, the biggest stories that day at that time that are happening from some of the best sources that you can find. And it is, if you ask me, pretty pretty good stuff. Beyond that, many of you are not comfortable with my Discord server. Because Discord is, well, it's... Yeah, It's weird technology. Not everybody's comfortable using Discord. They're more comfortable with a standard social media type format, something like Facebook. I now have my own social network on BT Media. So you may sign up for free. You can have an account. You can make friends. You can start groups. You can do whatever you want within reason, obviously, because I am overlord you will be able to have your own social presence there. It is not a social network that is designed to compete with Facebook or Twitter or Truth or anything like that. It is purely for my audience to have a place to go where they can hang out with one another and share their interests. A lot of you already do that on Discord. Many of you don't like Discord and would rather do it on something else. Well, there you go. You now have a place to go. Um, And if you follow me, you'll be able to get all of the posts that publish to the website automatically because they feed right in through my social network. So the burning truth has officially been killed off. BT Media is what is taking its place. It is much more involved and advanced. Um, It's still changing. New features are going to be added with regularity. But I certainly hope that you will give it a chance. Go to btmedia.news or... If you're not somewhere where you can write that down, just go to the old website and it will route you to the new one automatically. All right, let's cue my audio, please. I I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know what to say about this. This is not the first time that this has happened. The last time it happened, they tried to pretend that it didn't happen, but it did. You're not going to be able to deny that this actually happened. The power. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not women. Quote, quote. Repeat the line. Quote. Repeat the line. Do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women. What? The guy read the teleprompter instructions. Again, this is not the first time that this has happened. Okay. This, and I, I told you before, reading a teleprompter is not the easiest thing in the world. This dude's been doing it for a long time. So once again, we've got Joe Biden reading a teleprompter where he's given instructions on the teleprompter. End of the quote. Repeat that line. Which is supposed to be a cue that that's the quote. Now repeat it. And he read it. He read the instructions out loud again. So... news media types how are you going to cover this one up because the last time you tried to say that it didn't happen it was a conspiracy theory even though we all heard it played you the audio on the show i know that i wasn't alone so once again from last week joe biden goes out there and he does that so the rnc has released a 91 second video it keeps growing 
I think I've done like a 45-second video of this, and that's up to like 91 seconds of Joe Biden forgetting people's names. So, do the audio again. Here's Joe Biden for 91 seconds forgetting a bunch of people's names. A solid meeting with um, with uh, the... Uh... Hello, Biden. Obama, Democrat. Javier Bacaria. Javier Mr. Secretary. All right, Chuck. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, it's Chris, but anyway. Chris. I just did Chris. And I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general. But my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary. Jill and I have always enjoyed seeing Pete and Kristen which I have done personally with, with, uh, with uh, the president of China. It was President, my boss, Senator Shelley Caputo. Uh, you may remember, I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, uh, the governor, okay? The Instagram question and answer with one of the leading soccer players in the world. Uh, the latest episode of Here's the Deal podcast with Andrew Young brought in a guy from Illinois who ended up being a great Secretary of Transportation. I mean, Secretary of. Every day I between an hour and an hour and a half a brief with um, uh, a former head of uh, our former Surgeon General. Anyway, and they're holding up. Uh, um, the nomination of the president put forward for the Supreme Court. I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. It's um, it, it the video just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> he just keeps forgetting. He can never remember Lloyd Austin's name. And it, I think my favorite one, in spite of the other ones, that were much funnier. Him calling Chaston Buttigieg Kristen was great. But beyond that. I get, I get an out what an hour long briefing every single day from this guy, and he couldn't remember the dude's name. Every day he gets a briefing from the guy. I can't remember his name. Every single day. Yeah. So I, you know, here's the here's the real question though: Is Joe Biden pedo Pete? That's the question. Now I titled the live stream "Pedo Pete," and a lot of you probably thought I was talking about Pete Buttigieg because you are bigots. I was not talking about Pete Buttigieg. No, there is an allegation that Joe Biden is pedo Pete. This is interesting. So let's go to Just the News, okay, before we go into uh, IBT. So Just the News. Now, I'm just reporting this. Just the News is a real credible news outlet. Um, 4chan has had some issues in the past, but they've also done some good stuff. And some of the stuff the 4chan has done is they have exposed pedophiles. And that is not up for debate. 4chan has made it their mission to expose pedophiles. And they have frequently caught pedophiles by breaking into their electronic devices and exposing those pedophiles to the world. 4chan has also had a reputation, well, has a reputation for starting conspiracy theories to troll the media that the media runs with. So keep that in mind, okay? A trove of alleged messages and photos from Hunter Biden's iPhone were posted by users of of the website 4chan on Saturday night after they claimed to have hacked the first son's iCloud account. 
Moderators on 4chan quickly remove the content, according to the Washington Examiner, but users keep reposting the material on the anonymous image board. The content could not be verified by just the news, but 4chan users posted alleged images of text messages involving drug use, money transfers, guns, and even a screenshot of what appears to be Joe Biden's personal phone number under the contact pedo Peter. One user even posted Hunter Biden's allegedly inappropriate search history. 4chan has already created torrents for Hunter Biden's iPhone and iCloud backups and are now seeding them, which means you can download them with a torrent downloader. Not that I would ever advocate that you do that, but you could. That means even if 4chan gets shut down and copies, the copies will still be out there. The Anarchist Handbook author Michael Malice wrote, The 4chan Hunter Biden doc sure reminds me, a dinosaur, of how Drudge became a household name reporting on Monica Lewinsky while the corporate press was trying to look the other way. Now, I'm not telling you that this is all legit. What I can tell you is that 4chan has a history of going after pedophiles and being correct. They also have a history of trolling the news media. This isn't the typical format that 4chan uses to troll the media. Uh, For example, the OK symbol being a white supremacist symbol, that was a 4chan joke that you all still fall for. Anybody who goes, the OK symbol is white supremacy, you're the victim of a 4chan joke and you're taking yourself entirely too seriously. But nonetheless, that's where it came from. So, is Joe Biden pedo Peter? I don't know. We'll dive into it a little bit more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And Jean-Pierre can use some TV 16. She needs an attitude adjustment. There's no doubt about that. Probably be a better uh, press secretary. Is Joe Biden listed as pedo Peter in Hunter Biden's phone list? Maybe. If so, why? That becomes the question. What is that about? Some weird inside family joke? Or is it something more sinister than that? I don't know. And maybe it's not even real. Washington Examiner reported that to prove that the leak from 4chan was legitimate. Users posted links of the leaked content onto the website, which, of course, found its way to other social media websites. Again, this is unverified, just letting you know. It included images of text messages involving drug use, money transfers, guns. Apparently, a screenshot appeared to have included Joe Biden's personal phone number, which was saved as pedo Peter in Hunter's phone. That's not good. Screenshots also reveal text messages that were shared with pedo Peter. If this is real, this is, this is something. Well, exactly what it means, but it's something if it's real. And again, um, considering the amount of information here, uh, you have to wonder. You do have to wonder. As reported previously, an exa- extract from the personal diary of Ashley Biden, daughter of U.S. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, former vice president, had revealed that, um, you know, he engaged in inappropriate behavior with her. That's what she's alleged. That's what she's alleged in her diary. It's not what I'm alleging. It's what she alleged in her diary. And if that's true, then maybe that has something to do with it. 
Now, for those of you who, who are wondering, like, well, Beto, Peter could be anybody, Casey. What are you talking about? Well, okay, Hunter Biden's phone listed mom and pedo Peter. Mom and pedo Peter. One number, one contact, two names, mom and pedo Peter. We also know that Hunter Biden was not particularly happy with his dad. Talking about how he cared for the family's finances. He took care of the family's business, and yet he wasn't being treated very well by his father. Probably felt like he should have gotten more accolades from his dad. You'll notice that Hunter Biden doesn't go around praising Hunter Biden unless Hunter Biden is in the middle of a controversy and it comes up in a press press event or a gaggle or something. He's always talking about Bo Biden, though. Loves talking about Bo Biden and Bo Biden's service to the country and sacrifice and how great Bo Biden was. Maybe, perhaps, there's some animus there because of that. Now, again, I can't, I can't tell you that this is accurate. That's why I gave you the history of 4chan before we went into this. But 4chan does have a history of getting a lot of these things right. This doesn't appear to be a prank. Maybe it will end up being one. I don't know. But something that we also need to take a look at here is what has also been alleged with this. Because there's a lot of stuff that has come out about Hunter Biden, about Joe Biden, the big guy, right? That keeps getting, it keeps turning up. And a lot of it keeps turning up over and over and over and over again. So here's what's alleged. According to the leak, Hunter Biden searched for, specifically, child pornography. He called his dad Pedo Pete. Hunter Biden allegedly has illegal pics of his niece on FaceTime. Hunter Biden is accused of watching pornography and doing things in front of his niece. Hunter has nieces, his niece's Instagram information. Hunter Biden has sketchy investments with Ukraine and China. Hunter has been compromised by foreign agents, which we know. Hunter does a lot of drugs and engages with extracurricular activities with ladies of the night. Some of which are connected to Putin. Joe Biden's releasing all of this gasoline going to China to a company that Hunter Biden has business dealings with, that the Biden family has financial dealings with. Why are we releasing oil from our strategic reserve and sending it to China? The oil from strategic reserve is supposed to be released for us, not for anybody else, but it's been released and sent to China, and it specifically goes to a company that the Biden family makes money with. Isn't that interesting? You start to um, start to wonder what's going on here, right? Now, theoretically, theoretically, I suppose 4chan could be making this all up. This isn't their MO, though. There's going to be a lot of people because the news media went out there, and the news media loves to discredit 4chan. Oh, 4chan's this, 4chan's that, 4chan's this. Yet the news media is the one that always falls for the 4chan stuff. Every little secret dog whistle Trump people are racist thing, that were, they were all jokes. Every single one of them be traced back to a joke on 4chan where somebody's like, watch the news media eat this up. And it goes viral and it becomes a real thing. And the news media starts doing articles about how, how they, don't, they leave 4chan out of it, but how this is racist, that's racist. We mentioned the, the circle game or the OK symbol. 
which is only racist if Republican uses it, by the way. It's totally not racist when Democrats use it, which is why we always make fun of Democrats, because they use it all the time, because it's not racist. But that all started with 4chan. And a lot of these other things started with 4chan. There's a thing going, what, neckties? There's a thing going with the necktie thing. That's all 4chan, too. So, yeah, they do prank a lot of people. However, 4chan is dedicated to exposing pedophiles, and they have done great work doing that. There is a lot of allegations that have serious credibility about Hunter Biden potentially being a pedophile, or at least engaging in pedophilic behavior. There are allegations from Biden family members that Joe Biden was inappropriate with children, and we have mountains of video and photographic evidence of Joe Biden being inappropriate with children in public. I'm not accusing him of being a pedophile. I'm just saying that there's a lot of alarm bells that go off with Joe Biden. Imagine if those alarm bells that the news media has been telling you are just right-wing conspiracy theories were still the things that Hunter Biden thought of his own father. That perhaps is just an inside joke. Maybe it's, you know, just a something that the family does. I... I know that I have inside jokes with my family about pedophiles. Don't you, Ben? Yeah, everybody's got an inside joke about a family member being a pedophile, right? It's an inside joke, yeah. it's You wouldn't understand it. It's an inside joke. If this is real, there's some questions that need to be answered. And honestly, least of which, least of which, is why he calls Joe Biden pedo Peter. Because all the other stuff... Much more important. A lot of concerning things here. Joe Biden now, of course, caught on tape. He made that phone call. He talked to to Hunter Biden about overseas business dealings, which he's repeatedly lied to you about. But you have to wonder, why is it that Hunter Biden, if this is real, referred to his father that way? Is Ashley telling the truth in her diary? Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC News Time is 5.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. By the way, I want to thank all the new people who have joined up over at btmedia.news, the new website with the new social network that I have launched. I appreciate uh, all of the new members. Welcome to the community. This is Tom Winter. The U.S. Secret Service says in a statement that they are that they and their law enforcement partners are aware of online posts saying Hunter Biden's current iCloud account was hacked and are not in a position to make public comments on potential investigative actions. This is different than the emails, photos, etc. already published by multiple news outlets. This is information from his current, current, current account. That got, got to ask yourself, okay? If this if this iCloud hack is real, if it is, you've got two of Joe Biden's kids referring to inappropriate behavior with children. While we have sat there and watched him touch, grab, pull towards him against their will, and smell and whisper into their ears and even kiss them. On their earlobes. We have witnessed this with Joe Biden. 
I have played montages of this for people who have never, never seen it, and they look at me and they go, why haven't I seen this before? My position on Joe Biden is pretty much my position on Michael Jackson. Okay. Worst case scenario, he's a predator. Best case scenario, he's highly inappropriate with kids. There isn't a father alive who wouldn't beat the tar out of somebody who behaved with their children the way that Joe Biden behaves with the kids that he brings up on stage or on on the campaign trail. If it were your neighbor, you would beat the tar out of him and you know it. But somehow, it's Joe Biden, so it's like, ah, he's just Uncle Joe. Yeah, ask how many kids who were molested by a family member, they were just Uncle Joe, too. And I'm not saying that Joe Biden did this, but Joe Biden is clearly inappropriate with kids. And there's got to be a reason that Ashley referred his inappropriate behavior in her diary. There has to be a reason that if this iCloud hack is real, that Hunter Biden is referring to him as pedo Peter. Maybe it's just because he's mad at his dad because he feels like he's not getting credit for taking care of the family finances, which we already know that Hunter Biden is angry about because of other leaked emails. Maybe that's just it. I hope so. But the question has to be asked. And beyond that, this is a guy who reads the instructions in his teleprompter. Again, can't remember anybody's name. Policies are a complete and total disaster. Is a perpetual liar. I don't know the last time we've actually had Joe Biden telling the truth on anything. Everything is a lie with him. It's it's not acceptable what we're seeing. And I would like to remind everybody, he's like, come on, you can't, it's just just 4chan, you can't do, okay, well, all of these iCloud hacks start with an online message forum. And you have to ask yourself, why is it that an allegation, an outlandish allegation with zero evidence of Donald Trump with some ladies of the night in Russia warranted an entire federal investigation and Democrats said it disqualified him from the presidency simply because we have to investigate if it really happened or not? Why is it that's their position on that without any evidence? And there's a fair amount of evidence here that there might be something happening with the Biden family. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I want to leave you with a game. Cue my audio. This is Dr. Jill Biden. Is this racist? But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding mm-hmm. that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> Uh, she just called the Latino community in San Antonio as, as unique and diverse as breakfast tacos. Is that racist though? 
If a Republican said it would be, but when she said it, was it racist? Uh, btmedia.news is the new website for your daily show prep. Bill O'Reilly's up next. We'll see you tomorrow.